Welcome each of you here and see a number of guests with us this morning. We welcome you here and trust that you will experience God's presence and his speaking into our lives this morning. Easter is just about here. You realize that? I know we're covered with snow out there, but um, by the end of the month, we, we're looking Easter right in the, in the face. And this morning, I'd like to uh, begin some sermons beginning to focus our minds in that direction. Uh, in the middle of all of this, we'll have bow the knee. And as uh, Stephen has said, I trust that you will take opportunity of this tool that God has given to us to, to reach out to people that normally wouldn't come to church. And you know who they are in your life that you could hand a card to and invite and pray that God would help them to respond by coming and hearing and maybe even receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior. So take those cards with you and pray about them and give them to someone and uh, pray that God will use that Bow the Knee program in a special way. This morning we're going to begin a, a couple sermons that I've entitled The Ultimate Question. The Ultimate Question. Um, I want to show you a series of slides here of people that are oblivious. Have you ever been oblivious to something that was going on around you? Here's a guy reading a text, texting, walking out into the street, oblivious to traffic around him, and, and uh, uh, hopefully he made it across. Here's a guy that trying to uh, impress a young lady, and he's about to get his gun stolen from him, oblivious to what's going on around him. Um, here's a couple that's oblivious. They thought they were getting a nice picture taken, but showed their parenting skills. Um, you know, these guys probably taking a picture of a monkey in a tree, but didn't see the elephant behind them. And uh, this young guy, I don't know whether that's photoshopped or not, but he's oblivious. Keep those pictures in your mind and we'll uh, help you in, in a moment. I wonder what Jesus thought when he was hanging on the cross and looking down, maybe the only thing he could see of his body was his bloody feet with a nail sticking out of them. As he hung there, his vision was, being, was blurred, not only from the excruciating pain that shot through his body from the nails, the thorns, the, the beating on his back, the being up all night, carrying the sins of the whole world upon him. But the blood and the sweat as it poured down over his forehead into his eyes, he couldn't reach up and wipe it away. He was there on the cross. And as he hung there for those six hours on the cross, what did he see? What did he hear? What, is he, what did he experience on that cross of the people around him? What did he see happening in their lives? What he witnessed was a number of people around that cross, and whether they knew it or not, they were all answering the most important question uh, that anyone could answer. There are a number of different responses to that question, and... Uh, 
we today still choose some of those answers in our own lives as we respond to it. And that question is, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Perhaps as Jesus looked down from that cross, the first people that he saw was the soldiers who had nailed him to the cross. As he looked down past his feet, he sees those soldiers that just a few hours before had beat him to within an inch of his life. And what were those soldiers doing? What did he see him doing as he looked down from that cross, dying for them? He saw them playing games, rolling dice, making wagers at the foot of the cross. The soldiers are there huddled in a circle and they're not concerned at all with what is happening just above their heads. Uh, oh, him? He's just a criminal. He's just a Jew that, that uh, wouldn't pay attention and wouldn't follow the rules. He's a rebel and we're just glad he's out of the way and he'll be gone in a few short hours. Uh, so they gamble for some used clothes that was worn by a carpenter who claimed to be a king. The most significant event in human history was happening just above their heads and they were completely oblivious to the fact that the Son of God was there. The Son of God was dying on the cross and they're playing games. Somehow they completely missed the one thing that could have changed their lives forever. They quickly dismissed Jesus on the cross. We read about these soldiers in several of the Gospels, and in John's account of that, he said this, When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers did. Now the reason why the soldiers dismissed Jesus so quickly and absolutely are some of the same reasons that people today still dismiss Jesus. And we want to look at a couple of those things that caused them to just, no big deal. The first one was familiarity. They had seen all this before. This was not their first crucifixion. It's kind of the law of familiarity. Someone wrote, no matter how valuable, given enough time, everything will be taken for granted. No matter how important someone thinks it is, given enough time, people will take it for granted. And that was certainly true for the soldiers who were there carrying out the crucifixion. The death penalty in our culture is fairly rare if some state is going to execute someone, it will probably make the national news and be the headline for the day that somebody in some state was executed. But death by crucifixion in the first century was a, a common occurrence. In his book, Crucifixion, 
Martin Hingle, who is a professor of New Testament studies, said that during the reign of Titus, there was a siege on Jerusalem, and up to 500 people a day were whipped, tortured, and then crucified outside the walls of Jerusalem in hopes that that gruesome sight would cause those inside the city to surrender to the Romans. 500 people a day crucified. We live now in the time of ISIS and we hear of beheadings and and of people being crucified and the terror that that reigns in the the world. Uh, Tradition holds that during the life of Jesus, when he was about probably a teenager, there was a Jewish rebellion in, in an area close to where Jesus grew up. And the Roman army crushed that rebellion. And to ensure that it didn't happen again, they crucified over 1,600 Jews. They put crosses on a road about 10 miles long. And every 30 feet, they put a cross and crucified a Jewish man to make the Jews think again before they tried to rebel against Rome. I don't know if the Bible doesn't tell us that Jesus saw that, but he could have. Can you imagine what he might have been thinking as he saw those Jewish men hung on a cross and to know that he came and he came to die and to die on a cross? That must have haunted his mind in the time of his ministry. And yet, the Bible says with like a flint, he went facing towards Jerusalem. So these soldiers, they had probably performed so many crucifixions. It was just something that they did. It was a nasty business, but it was their job. And they had probably become fairly accustomed to it. Matthew says, when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him. You kind of get the impression there that this was no big deal. It was just another day of work. Uh, The soldiers had become used to it. They had heard the screams uh, of of someone dying on the cross many times over. They had had heard the cries for mercy. They had heard the gasp for breath. Uh, They had heard it all before, and it was no big deal. And in a matter of a few, few short hours, those men would be taking their last breath, or they would break their legs, uh, and they would take the men down from the cross and give them to somebody to bury or throw them on a pile. And then they would go home and eat supper. For many of us, the story of Jesus and his death is quite familiar. Some of us remember growing up in Sunday school years ago and having a flannel graph lesson being shown to us of Jesus on the cross and the story of the resurrection. As we've grown up in the church, we've heard the story over and over again, at least during the Easter season. We have seen the movies and the presentations and bow the knee and we've seen the passion of the Christ in its gruesome realism of what happened that day. And perhaps we've discovered that our familiarity with it has just kind of made us somewhat indifferent. I remember standing in the darkness 
in a northern city of Ghana, Africa, the city of Tamale. I had gone there with my brother a couple years ago to help train a Jesus film team to be able to show the Jesus film. And hundreds of people had gathered to, to watch that presentation and they were intently and intensely watching this story of Jesus and especially when it got to the place where Jesus was put on the cross uh, and he was dying uh, And when the movie showed that scene, uh, you could feel the tenseness in the crowd. And people were just so caught up for as many of them, they were seeing it for the first time. And where was I? I was on the edge of the crowd looking for the right angle to get a photo. And it hit me. I need to see this through the eyes of one who has seen it for the first time. It can just become another, oh yeah, there it is, and we go on and never even think twice about what is happening. It is possible for those of us who attend church regularly to become so familiar with the cross that we're no longer moved by it. We've grown up in the church, and maybe you remember the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, and if we would start singing it, you wouldn't need the words up on the screen, you could sing it from memory. Maybe you've been a part of a tradition that comes from a church that maybe had communion every Sunday, and every Sunday you could take communion and still not experience any intimacy with Christ. Familiarity often brings indifference. And if we're not careful, our familiarity with the cross, with Jesus, can cause us to overlook the power of the cross for those who believe. Another thing that these caused these, these soldiers to dismiss Jesus is prejudice. They were turned off by the people of God, God's people, the Jews. Prejudice can make us do terrible things. I read a pastor who experienced this. He wrote, I was standing in a checkout line in a grocery store in L.A., minding my own business, reading the magazines on the rack, wondering if I could really have rock-hard abs in three weeks, when the guy behind me started talking to me. He was an older man who worked in the grocery store. He had a shirt on with the name of the store on it. And out of nowhere, he began to talk to me about World War II. He was old enough to remember, and he told me how much he hated the Japanese. That's what he said. He used some language I can't repeat to describe the Japanese, and he said that none of them have deserved to live in this country. I wasn't sure why he was saying this to me, and I, I didn't really know what to say in return. It was quite awkward. Thankfully, it was my turn in line, and I turned away from him to face the lady behind the cash register. She was Japanese. Couldn't have been more than 20 she had tears running down her cheek. And I told her how I am so very sorry for that. And she said, that's okay. But it wasn't okay. And it's not okay. It's so irrational to mistreat someone just because of the way they look or their race. But it happens today and it happened back in the time of Jesus. The Romans and the Jews hated each other. 
The Romans were stationed in Palestine and hated every minute of it to be in that God-forsaken part of the world of just stones and dirt and dust and rebellious people. The Jews looked at the Romans as the oppressors and they hated them for being there and oppressing them. It might be a real reflection of how many times we as Americans looked at the situation in the Middle East. They're in civil war there. Their people can't get along with each other. And here we are sending our sons and daughters to die. And why can't they just figure it out? Why do we have to keep the peace? Uh, and so the Romans and the Jews stand facing each other. And the feeling of hatred was mutual. The Jews were very proud, they were very independent, and, and they didn't like the heel of Rome on their neck. There was a lot of name-calling. There was a lot of racial slurs hurled back and forth on the streets of Jerusalem. There were z- Jewish zealots that made it their, their business to be in a crowd, and if there were Roman soldiers there, to reach through the crowd with a knife and stick a Roman soldier and fade away into the crowd just to do it in. If a Roman soldier was caught in a back alley, they very well might not come out alive. And so there was hatred. Chances are that because of their prejudices towards the Jews, those soldiers at the foot of the cross were no doubt enjoying the torture as they crucified a Jewish carpenter. They were so prejudiced against the people of God that they couldn't see the Savior dying for their sins. And maybe that's you, even here this morning, or someone that you know, that they've dismissed Jesus because they developed a prejudice against those who claim to be the followers of Jesus. Maybe the church has disappointed you and left a bad taste in your mouth and You can't taste and see that the Lord is good. I think of some family of mine that was heavily involved in church, but something happened and the pastor was involved in some misconduct and they left the church, never to return, raised their family. None of them are in church. None of the grandchildren are in church. They walked away because they were prejudiced against God's people and what they had done. I run into all kinds of excuses of people that why they don't go to church. And many times it is uh, that someone in their family was mistreated by someone that called themselves Christians. Uh, There's a church planner who went around the community where he was hoping to plant a church and he was asking people there in that community if they went to church anywhere, and if not, why not? And he said, everywhere I went, I asked people that question to understand what obstacles we needed to overcome. Well, the number one answer was, church is boring. But the number two answer I didn't expect. People said in in various ways, I don't really like the Christians I know. Many had a story of how they've been hurt by someone from a church or that called themselves Christians. And maybe you shut your Jesus out of your life because someone that called themselves a Christian did something to you or cheated you, 
uh, backstabbed you or took advantage of you or you saw them doing something that didn't measure up to your expectations of a Christian. But I challenge you this morning to see beyond the hypocritical and imperfect person and look to Christ. Don't be like the soldiers. Don't, don't let prejudice towards God's people keep you from embracing the Son of God. Remember Zacchaeus in the, the stories of Jesus? There in the city of Jericho, and he learned that Jesus was coming into the city, and he wanted to see Jesus, and there was this huge crowd, and the crowd was tight, and Zacchaeus was an outsider. He was a tax collector, and they weren't going to let him anywhere near Jesus, these ones that were close to Jesus. And rather than going home and discuss and saying, I don't need to see Jesus, He humbled himself and he climbed up into a sycamore tree. And he got up to a vantage point where he was able to see Jesus. And Jesus was able to see him. And Jesus invited him to lunch. And Zacchaeus' life was changed forever. I challenge you to get above the crowd and see Jesus. To see him personally. Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The third thing that I think maybe kept the soldiers from seeing Jesus was distractions. They were focused on other things. There were other things to keep their minds' attention than this guy hanging on the cross. Do you see what they're preoccupied with? Instead of giving their attention and focus to Jesus, they're caught up with who's going to get this garment. Okay, we have some other things we've divided up. There's one left over. Who's going to get this seamless robe, this inner garment? It was like a t-shirt that hung down to his knees and was woven in some way that there was no seams in it. And they said, let's not cut it up. Let's just cast lots and let's gamble for it, roll some dice and see who comes out the winner. And so the soldiers are looking down at the dice and the game and the prize instead of looking up at Jesus who was being crucified for them. This is one of the reasons I think Jesus is so often in one's life. We're distracted by all the other things. Isn't it so easy to get distracted? Even standing there for prayer, we can get distracted. I know that I'm supposed to pray and focus on Jesus and focus on what he did for us and to thank him for that and focus on the needs of the kingdom and those things that God wants to do. But I'm sitting there with my head bowed and sometimes my thoughts begin to wonder and Have you ever had this happen to you? You're there and you're praying, Lord, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. I thank you for your son and thank you for helping me to reach out to some needy people this week. And that reminds me tomorrow, I have an appointment to meet with so-and-so. 
And oh my, I think someone else is having surgery. Is that going to conflict with them? And oh, I saw their son come in and they're sitting on the back. I need to get back there and, and say hello to them before they la- he leaves. And you know, I, I'm really glad I ran into him at McDonald's this week because I asked him to come and he came this morning. And you know what? That's making me kind of hungry because I think we're going to go to Buck's Pizza for dinner today. And in 15 seconds, I've gone from the cross to pizza. You ever do that? Distracted by the things of life? For you, maybe you're distracted by your investments, your house, your car, your job, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Maybe those things become that seamless garment that keeps your focus off of Jesus. But if you're playing games, trying to accumulate for yourself all that you can, we need to lift our eyes to see Jesus dying for us. The death of Jesus Christ is absolutely the most important event in all of human history. And it is the most important event in your life. And you think about it, you can think, what's the most important event in your life? The most important event that affects your life is the fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I recently read a testimony of a missionary named Glenn. He and his family had served in China for a number of years. But in the end, they had been arrested And they were under house arrest. They were Americans. And so they were going to be sent out of the country back to the U.S. And they were waiting to hear when they would be released to leave. One day a Chinese officer came and knocked on the door and told them that they were going to be going back to America. They needed, he would be back in a, in a little bit to take them to the airport and that they could take 200 pounds with them. And so they began running around the house trying to figure out what would be the 200 pounds that they would take with them. If it is your family, husband, wife, and two kids, what would be the most important thing to take back? They were looking to see what was there, and the wife thought some vases and some things that had been bought as souvenirs of China, that they got to take those back with us. And the husband was thinking, my computer and my books and my notes, those are really important. I want to take those back with me. And the kids were thinking of their favorite doll and their game and, and their favorite clothes. And, we wanna, and so they began to try to bring them together. Then they started arguing as to which one was the, the, the most important thing, and They would put things on the scale and take it off. And finally they got it down and they had it packed and it was right on the dot, 200 pounds. A little bit later, the the Chinese officer came to get them. He said, are you ready to go? Yep, we're ready. Did you weigh everything? We did weigh everything. Did you weigh the kids? No, we didn't weigh the kids. Kids are part of your 200 pounds. Now what's important? The vase didn't matter. The computer didn't matter. The doll didn't matter. What mattered was that thing that was of utmost value to them. And in that moment, it all became crystal clear. The value of putting our intention on what is of first important is that it focuses us on what we really need 
to keep our focus on, what, what we should not be distracted by. In First, Thess- in First Corinthians, Paul said, what I received I pass on to you as of first importance. And that's this, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. In this Decision magazine, Billy Graham's magazine, there was a story written by Karen Mororod. She wrote about a shopping experience she had in which she was going into the store to buy a sweater. And she was just looking for the cheapest sweater, the thing that was of minimal cost. And she went right away to the clearance rack. And there on that clearance rack, she saw a sweater that looked nice. It was a color that she liked. And she grabbed it. And what was more important was the price. It was only $8. And she was just excited to get it, took it up to the cash register, and took it home. She said at home, she slipped on the sweater, and the texture was just exquisite. And she didn't realize how really nice it was, that it was really an expensive sweater. In fact... She had never really seen the original price, but when she looked there closely, the original price was $124. She said, I gasp. I had never owned any clothing that cost that much. I had come home with what I thought was a cheap buy, but the original price was quite high. I had been oblivious to its value. She concluded, just as with my sweater... I have often treated the power of Jesus' blood like a cheap purchase. God's grace, though free to me, carried a high price tag, the life of the very Son of God. When we realize the price that God paid for us to keep us from wasting our life, we can't help but live our lives worthy of such a love. Maybe, like the soldiers, you've dismissed Jesus in some way. Would you stop for a moment and look up at the cross? Even if you've heard the story a thousand times, to know that he died for me. My sins. It's easy to say the sins of the world, but my sins put Jesus on the cross. Yeah, I may be turned off by some of people that are Christ followers, but don't allow the people of God to keep you from seeing the Son of God who loves you and wants you to live your life as he planned. And even if you've got a lot going on in your life, a lot to keep you focused on, a lot to occupy your time, don't lose sight, especially this Easter season, of the Jesus on the cross, (coughs) the one who died for you and for me. I want us just to stand together and in closing, let's sing that old chorus. Some of you will remember it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Father God, it is so easy to dismiss To dismiss you, to put you aside, to not think as highly as we ought to of what you've done for us. God, I pray you would forgive us. I pray that this week as we go out into living life, that we will have imprinted upon our mind you on the cross for my sin. Lord, help us to be thankful. Help us to rejoice in being redeemed. And if we don't know that joy, oh God, may we humble ourselves before you and ask you to come into our life to take away our sin, the purpose for which you died. Dear Lord, we're going to run into people this week and throughout this month that are totally distracted, that really don't have a clue that Easter is more than just about Easter bunnies and eggs. Lord, I pray that you will help us, that we will not be the cause of them being prejudiced against you because of our lies, because of our actions, because of the way that we have treated people. Oh God, may we instead be people that cause others to taste and see that the Lord is good. So Lord, we go out this week asking, asking that you would help us to focus on you like never before. Help us not to be like these soldiers. But, oh God, may we truly do with Jesus what you desire us to do. Receive him and live for him and follow him. We ask in your holy name. Amen.